Hello and welcome to the first season of the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon, based in a Lehigh Valley part of Pennsylvania. I'm a 1997 graduate of the College of New Jersey with a journalism degree who has worked in sports media for 25 years. For the last three months, I have been sending daily journalism salutes on social media, pairing them with donations to a wide range of journalistic organizations. My intent was to counter cries of fake news, lamestream media, and enemy of the people by doing a little of whatever I could each day to help. The next phase of this project is to learn more about the groups that I've been saluting. That's where these interviews come in. Who are these groups? What do they do? What do they do best? And why are they so important to our present and our future? We'll talk to people from a diverse set of organizations to try to learn more. Thank you for joining me. On today's show, our guest is Holly McCall, the editor-in-chief of the Tennessee Lookout. Holly has worked as both a journalist in Ohio, Missouri, and Tennessee, as the director of communications for the Nashville MTA, as the principal at a strategic communications firm, Morgan Strategies, whose clients included Tennessee for Hillary, and even run for office as a Democratic Party candidate. The Lookout has been in existence for a little more than half a year and covered Tennessee politics and state news aggressively as part of state's newsroom. States Newsroom is a nonprofit organization with 18 news outlets as affiliates and partners covering state government. Their slogan is relentless capital reporting. Holly, thanks for joining us. What purpose is the Lookout serving in the journalistic ecosphere? There have been such a loss of state house coverage across the country in the last 15 years or so. You just don't see daily papers of records as they've consolidated, they've been taken over by corporations, they've cut veteran journalists. You just don't see the level of coverage. And so what we provide is a laser focus on just Tennessee policy, Tennessee politics, and how the policies that are being created at the state level affect people across the state from rural Tennessee to Memphis to Nashville. Your background is uh, eclectic in that it involves journalism, PR, and politics. Uh, so explain what made you want to do this, given that background. Well, you know, just to take a step back a little bit, I was always, I've always been interested in politics and in journalism. And in college, I majored in poli-sci, and I minored in journalism. And I thought I was going to be a political media person on the order of David Axelrod and James Carville before everybody knew who David Axelrod was and James Carville was. And so, you know, I had been a reporter for some time. I stepped away to go into PR because I'd frankly gotten an offer I couldn't refuse. Uh, this was in 2006. And it, you know, gave me the ability to take care of my mother in her last few years. But, you know, it's, I used to tell people, man, journalism, that's the best job I ever had. I'm incredibly nosy and I like to know everything about everything. So, you know, I just, this position having to fall into my lap um, Chris Fitzsimon from State's Newsroom came to Nashville in January and said, we're thinking about setting this up and we hear that you would be a good editor. And so I looked around the restaurant we were in, we were having lunch and I said, um, are you sure you want me? You know, I've run for office before. And he said, well, yeah, we know who you are. Are you interested? And, you know, I don't know anybody who wouldn't be interested for any political junkie who is also a writer, like what better job is there? State's Newsroom uh, is certainly a very interesting organization. Uh, it's very widespread. Uh, it's trying to do some interesting things. Uh, it, it has its share of uh, people who are very 
feel very strongly about it, both uh, positively and uh, a little bit uh, on the other side. And that's, I think that's one of the things that comes with political reporting. Can you explain State's Newsroom and what it does? Yeah, so State's Newsroom is a nonprofit, nonpartisan uh, parent company of these 18 outlets. Uh, truth be told, I had not heard of State's Newsroom when Chris Fitzsimon first contacted me, and I reached out to a friend of mine who had owned newspapers in Maine, and I said, you know, what do you know about this outfit? And he said, uh, let me call you back in five minutes. He called me back and said, completely legit. I know some of the people with them. I know some of their donors. And, um, you know, I think these days, so many people are just wary of media in general. And anytime you see some new, newish outfit, um, you know, come along and start expanding. In fact, the first state's newsroom outlet was created about 2003 or four. But yeah, I mean, people are just wary about anything that seems different, new. Um, and as I've told people here from the time we got started, look, you can be wary now but we're gonna be around and you will see from our reporting that we are fair, we're gonna be fair, we treat everybody the same way. And so anyway, the proof is in the pudding. So I would imagine if you're, um, if you are a political reporter in Tennessee where you have super majorities in the state legislature uh, and you have the political background that you do, uh, that anyone that would question state government in this day and age, they're gonna face questions of bias. How do you and how does the, the organization generally respond to that? Well, um, I think that is, it's very fair. And that was something I acknowledged with my reporters when we first started. I did run for office as a Democrat. So there would, I would expect there to be suspicion around me. Um, I try to keep myself very separate in, in one way from the reporting operation. I will never go collecting information on Capitol Hill. I have two excellent I have three excellent reporters. Two, though, have both won national awards. Their credentials are impeccable. And again, I go back to what I've said with people like, oh, you know, Holly McCall, she ran as a Democrat. I, I don't think there's any, um, there's not really hiding what my personal opinions are. But I think, Mark, as you know, every journalist has personal opinions, but a good reporter and a good journalist can take their personal opinion out of what they're writing. And like you said, we've been around for six months. And I think if you look at our coverage, uh, we've, been, we've been fair to everybody who will work with us. Having said that, you know, it's hard for any reporter at any outlet these days to do political reporting on with a supermajority because, you know, the Republicans in office, they don't really have to do much media. We're trying to profile candidates for the upcoming elections and we get almost zero response from Republicans. And we just do the best we can, try to reach them across multiple platforms and know that it is not just us in that case. Tell us about um, the reporters that you mentioned. You mentioned this, the strong credentials that they have. Uh, I do, I always uh, say, uh, this is from my sports background, I always say to a coach, tell me about your team. Uh, tell me about your team. Tell me about your reporters uh, and their backgrounds. Well, that's, I'm so glad you asked about that because every time people ask me about the lookout, I deflect from myself because I say, look, nobody's reading the lookout because of Holly McCall. They're reading it because of my reporters. So Anita Wadwani has been with the Tennessee and she was with the Tennessee for almost 20 years. She's got a master's in journalism from, um, from Berkeley and she's got an undergraduate degree from Columbia, but she is one of those very fearless uh, reporters who has won a couple of na several national awards, uh, one for covering sexual harassment at the University of Tennessee athletic department, 
Um, she's been named like South Asian Reporters Association, or the Asian Reporters Association has given her award. She's gotten uh, awards in the state of Tennessee. Um, and she is a investigative reporter's investigative reporter. Nothing makes her happier than going down a rabbit hole. Um, and I found with Anita, like she will tell me she's thinking about something. And in a couple of weeks, a great story burst forth from her, like Venus rising from the sea. So I've got her, and then Nate Rao is my second senior reporter. Uh, I've known Nate and Anita both for over 10 years, and Nate was the first person I talked to when I found out about this launch and literally sat him down, took him out for a beer, and said, I will not do this without you, so you just figure out what it's going to take to make you work. Nate originally started as a sports writer, uh, but he is, an, for a young, young guy, he's a consummate old-school journalist. I think he eats, sleeps, and breathes. Uh, reporting. He's good at investigative. He can still write a heck of a sports story. He's covered the music business. He's got some of the best sources in the state of Tennessee, and he's thinking about journalism from the moment his feet hit the ground in the morning. And then I've got a young reporter named Dulce Torres Guzman, and I fell in love with her writing about five years ago. She'd written a freelance piece for the um, for the alternative paper in Nashville, and it was about Quincy Aneras. And her writing was just so beautiful. I literally fell in love with it. She has been on my mind ever since then. And she brings a voice that is woefully lacking in journalism, I think. There's just not, enough, there are not enough reporters from minority backgrounds. Um, you know, she's born in America, grew up here, but her family is Mexican by heritage and she speaks Spanish. And I think she gives us the ability to cover Tennessee's growing immigrant community in a way we couldn't otherwise. Let me transition off that to asking about how you've covered certain things. And since you brought uh, her up, uh, how have you covered um, minority issues, social justice issues? You know, one of the first stories she did, we had heard about a coronavirus outbreak in a rural East Tennessee County. And it turned out it was on a, a big commercial farm and it was migrant workers. And so we got in the car, we drove over there with our with a photographer who works with us, um, kind of our, he's like an adjunct team player, uh, who's also, he's been nominated for two Pulitzer Prizes. But we drove over there and she got out of the car and she was the only person who could communicate with these guys. And it turned into a really fantastic story about the fact that migrant workers come into the country, they, you know, their passports get collected, they are literally at the mercy of their employers. And in this case, every single one of the men working on this farm had tested positive for coronavirus and um they were not getting treatment for it they were continuing to work um it was something that really just wasn't getting covered elsewhere i think one tv station had covered it but they covered it from chattanooga they didn't send anybody out there they didn't have anybody who could communicate so she uh, has been able to develop some relationships um in the state that we would not otherwise have so she's able to cover everything from immigration issues to migrant workers um, to, you know, how the coronavirus COVID-19 is affecting immigrant communities because they're very hard hit. What day-to-day -day issues besides uh, that that you just brought up are specific and unique to Tennessee? Specific and unique to Tennessee. Well, Nashville, our capital city, is a little bit of a mess right now. We have a mayor who has, he's been in office less than a year. He inherited a messy budget. Uh, Nashville was on the verge of going into state receivership. And he, uh, he instituted a tax increase with the help of Metro Council. 
if anybody didn't see that co coming, I don't know what they were missing, but he promised when he was running for office that he was going to be a good financial steward, and he has been. As it turns out, the people who liked him for saying he was going to be a good financial steward do not, in fact, like the ways that he's being a steward. So there's a lot of uproar about that. You know, criminal justice reform is big in Tennessee, just like it is in other states. Uh, Memphis is a majority minority city, the only one in Tennessee. So, you know, they've had some issues over there. They had a police shooting of a black, young black man last year that made national news. Um, in Nashville, there have been two police shootings in the last three or four years of young black men uh, that caused the creation of a community oversight board over the police. There's a transition of police chief, uh, the veteran police chief just resigned. Uh, there was a, a hunt for a new one coming in. So uh, it's really not many different issues than you find in other states. And frankly, healthcare continues to be a big deal. The legislature has failed to take the Medicaid expansion. We have probably 300,000 people without health care insurance here, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. That transitions into another topic. Um, in one of your neighboring states, Mississippi, the Mississippi Free Press is a very strong watchdog uh, on the governor in that state, Tate Reeves. I actually know the editor-in-chief there, uh, and she's done a fantastic job with that. And it's, I imagine it's very stressful and very challenging. Um, I would imagine it's similar in Tennessee, trying to cover uh, the governor there, uh, Governor Bill Lee. How have you covered him? Well, you know, it's um, it's physically tough right now because we're new, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but we do try to hold him accountable. And as a matter of fact, um, the third day we were in existence. So we launched on May 6th and on May 7th, uh, the aforementioned Anita Wadwani called me and she said, you know, I just found out that the mayor has, or that the governor has okayed releasing personal information, addresses, names, et cetera, of people who've tested positive for COVID to law enforcement. Do you think that's a story? And of course, you know, day two, my eyes bugged out of my head and said, yes, it's a story. So she writes this story on the third day of our existence. It goes live at six o'clock in the morning and it had 54,000 page views you know, other media outlets were saying, wow, this outlet is small but mighty, and look at this story. It became a statewide story. Everybody else followed us on it. Um, and so we've got, like I said, it, it's, it falls to people like Nate and Anita and their sources in state government just to try to stay on top of what he's doing. Anita's working on a story now about some of his executive orders, which I don't believe anybody has covered yet, but he's issued I think 40 something executive orders since March and there's no comprehensive rundown of what's going on. So, you know, we just, we do the best we can trying to keep an eye on what he's doing. And we, we, we got some very solid press corps members here, um, but we try to do cover issues that they are not covering. Can you explain the story about uh, COVID reporting and bars that made national news that turned out not to be a story? I, I saw that one the other day uh, and realized that that was uh, necessary to bring up here. Yeah, and I appreciate you bringing that up because it's been, I mean, that has been a huge, Nashville is a town that is not dependent on tourism, but tourism, the tourism industry does make up a large part of our economy. And in particular, there is a portion of downtown Nashville known as Lower Broadway, and that's where all the, quote, honky-tonks are. Everything from these old-school bars like Tootsie's Orchid Lounge, where Patsy Cline and Hank Williams used to hang out, to You've got the Kid Rock's big-ass honky-tonk and, you know, country music. And it's almost like a country music version of Bourbon Street, if you can imagine that. 
and people were packing into these bars to big place bachelorette parties come. And so early in the pandemic, when the mayor, Mayor John Cooper, was looking at what to do to try to, you know, sh flatten the curve, he shut down the bars. And um, some of these bar owners were very supportive of him when he ran for office, by the way. And it's kind of one of that deal with the devil thing. Um, they were supportive of him when they ran because they thought he was conservative. But as soon as he does something that he thought would be in the best interest of public health, uh, they, you know, went nuts. And so Nate Rao had been kind of following this for some time. And in late July, mid to late July, he started talking to the mayor's office and said, you know, like, really, how many cases have you traced back to bars? We were talking about uh, contact tracing. So he did this story August 4th that said, hey, there really have not been many cases. There have been 80 cases traced to bars, but they're closed and people are losing jobs and blah, blah, blah. So less than a week ago, the Fox outlet here, it was Wednesday, it was on their nine o'clock news, had this story about uh, there aren't many cases traced to bars and the mayor's been hiding it and there's a cover up. Well, I live on Twitter. So I see it on Twitter, call Nate. I sent an email to the Fox station. I said, look, your story's not true. They're not hiding anything. We did this story August 4th. Um, never did get a response from them, by the way. Um, and then it turned into this national brouhaha where you've got our Republican elected officials, Fox News nationally is talking about how the mayor was trying to hide numbers because he wanted to kill small businesses, um, which it finally came out that yes, actually we had covered it to say nothing of the fact, this is my sidebar, that is absolutely ludicrous for anybody to think that the mayor of the city would do anything intentionally to harm, you know, one of our biggest revenue generating industries. So anyway, finally, Fox 17 did retract the story. Uh, the reporter is still working there. And it had that, gotten picked up by some pretty big people. Yeah, it did. Uh, Tucker Carlson uh, had a piece on it and actually had a Metro councilman on there, the same Metro councilman who was in pictures standing behind the mayor the night the mayor got elected last year, went on Tucker Carlson to criticize the mayor. So, you know, there's just, there's a lot of hypocrisy and idiocy around that issue. Sounds chaotic for, for you to have to deal with. You know what? It's like, I, I will say this, it sounds terrible. Uh, it was a mess of a story, but it got brought a lot more attention to us. Again, we're new and it's kind of the no press is bad press. We didn't screw anything up. We did our job. I saw that rivals were praising you. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I think a part of that goes back to Nate and Anita and Dulce have got such immense credibility in the community that there are some of our rivals, uh, as you would say, although I feel like we're all pretty much in the same boat now, know Nate and they know that he is very meticulous in his reporting. They knew that he'd done the story. And it, it's really, though, it is really refreshing uh, how supportive most of our, quote, so-called rivals have been. State's Newsroom, one thing I've noticed, too, is they're able to provide support in the form of Washington, D.C. capital reporting. Um, can you just explain how they uh, help you in your coverage of the state? Yes, that is a glorious, that is a glorious thing. So uh, Jane Norman, who used to be with Politico, heads up our Washington, D.C. bureau. And she's got a couple of full-time reporters under her and a couple of very excellent stringers. And Jane is fairly new with us. She started about six weeks ago and she drops me an email every other day. She looks to do, the DC Bureau looks to do specific coverage for us every other week. If there's something particularly bizarre or newsworthy going on with one of our elected officials, I'll hit her up and say, can you look into this? But it's, um, you know, it's great to have the boots on the proverbial boots on the ground in DC 
who can keep their eyes on things, who can follow calendar schedules, calendars, and and crank out stories for us that are um, interesting to people in Tennessee that we we just wouldn't be able to do that. We can keep our eyes on the state capitol, but to have a whole team in Washington covering the national capitol is just a phenomenal tool. And it's uh, something that certainly makes uh, state's newsroom uh, work uh, in a in a very nice uh, cooperative fashion. We've talked about the different things that your organization has covered. How hard is it to find an audience? It sounds like you've been able to establish something uh, in your state, given the overwhelmingly uh, conservative demographic makeup of the state. Well, you know, uh, I think there's a great hunger for more policy and politics coverage. There are some great reporters, for instance, at the Tennessee and the Gannett Daily Paper of Record in Nashville. The Commercial Appeal has got some very fine reporters, the Knoxville News. So they're great reporters, but everybody is, as you know, these days overworked, uh, underpaid. There's a dearth of coverage. Even reporters who desperately want to cover this have so much on their plate. So there has been a refreshing, I think, hunger um, for this type of in-depth coverage. Um, and we plan to stick around for a while. We're, you know, we were making our five-year plans and, um, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, we've had, I think, a great deal of success in our first six months, and we've set a standard that we've just got to keep living up to. One other question about coverage. How do you balance uh, your news coverage versus your op-ed and opinion pieces? Well, you know, we, um, there are always people who want to write commentary, and we certainly do not publish every commentary we get. In some cases, I have reached out to organizations or people that I thought had a strong voice that needed to be heard. But we've also had some, uh, a columnist for a former, uh, he used to be a, a columnist for the Alt Weekly here in town. Uh, he stopped writing for them, I think, three or four years ago. And he said, hey, I'm looking for an audience. Are you interested in having me? It's a, his name is Bruce Barry. Um, he actually is married to a former mayor of Nashville. Um, he's a professor at Vanderbilt University. He's unabashedly liberal. And every time I print one of his columns, I get a message from somebody saying, I just can't read you if you publish Bruce Barry. But then they email me again the next time he writes and says, if you keep publishing Bruce Barry, I won't, you know. So it's, uh, you know, we try to have a couple of columns a week because those are interesting. And, um, you know, we're, I'd say our, I would say our commentary tends towards progressive and our news is straight, but we've also had a representative from the Beacon Center, which is the libertarian think tank right for us. And if people make sense and are bright and are not propagating uh, outright untruths, I will entertain what they've got to say. The state of uh, politics across the country is knocked down, dragged down, uh, outright brawling at this point. The coronavirus certainly uh, makes things uh, extraordinarily difficult uh, to do just about anything in this day and age. Uh, So with that in mind, where do we find the good news in what uh, your, uh, your organization is providing? Um, is there anything positive? Well, you know what? Like, I'm a glass half full person, so I think there's always something positive to report. Um, although I'm trying to think about what what it <laughs> might be. I, like, I hate to sound like I'm hung up on this. I do think there's always good news. I think there have been there's a little bit of across the aisle work on some of the coronavirus. Um, the governor. Like I have been pretty critical of this governor. We grew up in the same town and it's been disappointing to see him offer no guidance to city and county officials. Um, But it is refreshing to see how many county mayors and city mayors have worked with each other to make decisions 
and get on the same page and they're not necessarily even though they're technically nonpartisan, you know, you kind of have an idea what everybody's politics are and some of these mayors aren't in the same political party or would not count themselves in the same political party and it's been refreshing to see them work together across county lines to keep people safe. You mentioned the large uh, numbers of people who had read certain stories early on uh, with your with your group. Um, what other indicators have you have you seen that made you think that this is going to work as a news outlet long term? You know, we have not solicited contributions since we've been uh, in existence, but we are a nonprofit. And like, I always get excited when I see a donation come in from someone. Um, it has personally been uh, gratifying to me to see some some of the I, would, I hate to use the word dinosaurs, but some of the old school journalists around here, for instance, uh, there was a guy when I was a youngster in 1987, just out of college, he wrote for the Tennessean and I revered him. He seemed like he was 10 feet tall and he's come back into my sphere and has written a couple of columns for us. Um, so there's a little bit of anecdotal, but also I can watch our numbers. We're not hung up on readership numbers like some outlets are, but to watch our Twitter followers notch up. We picked up 200, over 200 new Twitter followers over the weekend after this Fox brouhaha. Um, to see our stories get shared to on Facebook, on Twitter, to see comments comments about them at other outlets. You know, um, I think we've been cited, at, well, we were cited in Rolling Stone about a month ago. So on our fourth month of existence, we get cited in Rolling Stone. And, you know, I just, I think that it's very exciting. It shows our credibility. All right. So two, uh, two last topics to bring up. Uh, one is we always try to do a pay it forward here. Advice that you would have based on your experience, uh, politics, journalism, PR, everything, um, to someone aspiring to go into this field. So I would say never turn down any opportunity. Uh, explore every opportunity that comes your way. Never turn down anything out of hand without considering it. If you want to be a writer, if you want to be a journalist, that means you should take the first opportunity to write for pay, even if it's $50. Uh, establish yourself, get some credibility by publishing strong stories. Again, even if it doesn't pay much, uh, we all like to start at the top, but sadly, most of us have to start at the bottom, but take every opportunity you can get and prove yourself. Just do and, the work. And uh, is there an organization that you would like to salute journalistic wise? Yeah, you know, I, um, other than the Tennessee Lookout, uh, <laughs> I think our, the best outlet in the state these days is WPLN. It's the NPR affiliate in Nashville. And they have built just an incredibly strong team of reporters. Some used to be print reporters, but they've made the transition to radio and they do investigative stories. They've got a podcast, Maribah Night at WPLN did an amazing podcast in the second year about public housing in Nashville. Uh, they've also got an amazing Latino reporter um, who's Sergio Martinez Beltran, who also does a fantastic job. And I can go on and on, but I just, I love public radio. I love their model. I love the stories they do. And they've put together an amazing team here in Nashville. Holly McCall, uh, thank you for taking the time to join us. Best of luck with your work. Mark, thank you so much. This has been a treat. I go back to Holly's quote. I think that there's a great hunger for more policy and politics coverage. I hope so. Covering politics at the state and local level is essential to preserving democracy. The challenge of doing it in a state with a supermajority in the state house is great. We need news organizations that can do this and do it well. We wish the Tennessee Lookout 
and all the other news organizations covering state government the best of luck. This is a subject we'll likely explore more than once. The Journalism Salute is dedicated to the memory of Dr. Robert Cole, known as Father Journalism at Trenton State College, the College of New Jersey. Dr. Cole impacted hundreds of students in his 33 years at the school, including some who later became Statehouse reporters. They got their start in Cole's famous Beats and Deadlines class. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. If you're interested in following along with us, follow us on Twitter at Journalism Salute, S-A-L-U-T. There are more episodes to come. Thank you for tuning in.